My name's Sarah, (laughs) and welcome to the We Should Be in the Kitchen podcast, a podcast where my friend Liz and I talk about all of the things we usually talk about at our weekly Sunday lunch. Except it's Saturday, and we ate lunch at 2 o'clock. It's not Saturday, it's Monday. (laughs) It's Monday. (laughs) (laughs) These topics vary from the whole... I can't do the intro. <laughs> These topics vary from the hilarity of day-to-day life to theology, from how adorable our dogs are, to the nuances of faith and life in this interesting cultural moment, all from the perspective of two women working in ministry. And who don't know what day of the week it is. Yeah, I don't know what's happening with Liz. We might not get to share a meal with you, but you're always invited to this table. On today's episode, I don't even know which episode it is. Liz 12. it's 12. I think it's 12. I'm not convinced that it's 12. It could be. Um... We are going to talk about a lot of different things, including um, one thing about working in ministry that Liz and I have been talking a lot about lately. And so stay tuned to listen to that and pull up a seat. So Liz, yep, today's Monday. (laughs) (laughs) I just found that out apparently. I don't know how you don't know this. I mean, you had church yesterday and you went to church. I went to church and I was there from about 730 till noon. Right. I don't... But because it's, today's a holiday, yeah. and so it's just kind of thrown my whole... I mean, Same. seriously, I mean, obviously, I thought today was Saturday. <laughs> I should have. It, it's like that episode of The Office where Jim lets Dwight think that it's Friday when it's really Thursday. Yep. I should have let you just go on thinking it was Saturday so you would go to church again tomorrow. I would have figured it out, I think. Eventually? I don't well, know. Part of me knows it's not Saturday. Yeah. But part of me... Is not totally sure that it's Monday. <laughs> there were some things that happened, though. Like, um, we went to Chili's, and there was a wait at 2 o'clock. At 2 o'clock on a Monday. And then our host. Oh, the poor guy. I know. He had a little breakdown. He did. I had to coach him through some breathing. <laughs> not joking. Not joking. Um, and we didn't even know him. He's not one of our usual yeah. waiters. <laughs> he was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Am I okay? This is okay, right? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. But, yeah, everything's good. <laughs> We're not mad like no we we, waited, we just we got, waited 10 minutes it's we just got here you know we yeah. haven't ordered we're not mad sir this is a chili's literally <laughs> this is a chili's no it was fine there's a bar right over there so i have my own um issues with like panicking i just had yeah. a panic attack last week in my office you came into my office like oh i did and you had your hood up and that's when i knew something was wrong <laughs> yeah i don't know what it was i just like sometimes get anxious and yeah, but they still charge us full price, and I kind of think that they we should have gotten a discount. But yeah. I did use my Chili's rewards though, so my drink was free. What? Yeah, because you oh. get a free drink and a, uh, like your free soda and yeah. uh, chips if you're a rewards member. There. Liz was People super kind. Do this. Liz was really kind to me today because normally when we go to Chili's, we get chips and salsa. Yes, but I. The I whole just, reason we go to Chili's. I just started um, keto. Keto. Which is a diet for people who, like, hate themselves and want their friends to hate them, too. I did keto for about 12 hours. Yeah, you can actually do (laughs) keto. So Liz goes, oh, yeah, I'm on keto. She comes to a meeting, and she has an entire, like, (laughs) container of white rice. It's my favorite thing. You can't eat that. And before I get, like, nasty messages about how keto's bad, blah, 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 I do clean keto. I mostly eat vegetables. Um, You basically turn into a vegetarian with no carbs. I know, but I don't really like meat. It's a thing. It's a thing. I know. You see all of these like recipes on Pinterest and they're like, bacon with butter on it. I'm like, that's disgusting. Well, even the other night we went to the Journey to the Dumpling, one of our favorite restaurants in Elk Grove, and we ordered the beef roll 
Yes. And you didn't even have any, did you? No, I ordered it because... You it, ordered I, it because yeah. it sounded good and it was delicious. Yeah. I had had it before. But you were like, oh, I don't want meat tonight. Yeah, I wasn't really <laughs> in a sad. big beef mood. Scallion pancake? Delicious. Delicious. Everything from there is good, though. Yeah. It's this place near Sacramento called Journey to the Dumpling. And we had a whole group of us, actually. There were... There were five of us. Five of us. Me, Liz, Catherine, Amanda, and Liz's cousin, Emily, who yeah. listens... And then Emily and Amanda were talking about how they listen to this podcast while they're, like, doing dishes. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's literally so, like, counterproductive. You listen to the We Should Be in the Kitchen podcast in the kitchen? <laughs> I mean, there are people who who listen and then write me dirty, like, messages saying, I thought this was a podcast about cooking, not one about feminism. Feminism. <laughs> 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 jokes on you. <laughs> Whoops. Yep. So then one thing that was fun was after we went to Journey to the Dump Journey to the Dumpling. Uh-huh. Um Catherine. Oh, and I'm not supposed to name her. You can she name put her. It on Instagram. She's fine. We went <laughs> we went she got her nose pierced. She loves being talked about. So we went to um Emerald Tattoo in on Florin Road. It's a cash only cash only tattoo, tattoo parlor. and piercing parlor. <laughs> um but one thing I have learned. So I also do this for people like I'm the person people call when they want to go get something pierced. Like, for some reason, this is not the first time I've done this. Um, I've had friends, like, when I've, since I've been in high school, where I've, like, driven them. This is a marketable skill. Liz. It is. I should really be charging people. I do um, not stay for this. You and, did not. And all I know is I start getting texts saying, <laughs> it sounds like someone here is demon-possessed. <laughs> yes. And I was like, is it Catherine? <laughs> <laughs> it was not Catherine. It was not Catherine. Catherine was a champ. Um, but anyway... I always take them to a tattoo parlor because these people are like trained. Yeah, and it's super clean. You don't and you don't super go nice. to the mall no. to get a piercing. They use a gun. It's yeah. not very sanitary. Yeah, you go to a tattoo parlor for reals. I took my niece to a tattoo parlor to get her ears pierced when she got them done for the first time. Yeah, because we went into a mall shop that I will not name, but everybody knows exactly what I am talking about. Where you can also buy like really cheap crap jewelry. <laughs> yeah, and the girl like was shaking because she was so nervous and I was just like you know it's okay don't worry about it and then I take her and this big dude like full of tattoos I think I think Jasmine was maybe 11 (laughs) and and yeah this guy like comes up with a needle and he goes it's much better this way to Jasmine she goes okay (laughs) and uses this needle and she was like oh it hardly even hurt so yeah so they know what they're doing yeah they do um and so we get in there, and Catherine, like, fills out all the paperwork, and we hear this, like, moaning from the back room. Like, someone's kind of crying, hyperventilating, and moaning, and we're all, and there's other people in the waiting room, and we all just stop and look down the hall, and the person nice. at the front desk just says, oh, you know, everyone has different thresholds for pain, blah, 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 <laughs> and we're just going, yikes, okay, and it goes on and on and on, and then finally this lady and her, and this guy, they come out together, and she looks pale. Oh. And, like, he's, like, walking her out to the car. She didn't pay her anything, so I don't think they finished. Or maybe they um, didn't even start. <laughs> and the tattoo artist who was working on her, um, he had his AirPods in. And one of the other um, employees there was talking to him. And he goes, oh, wait, I have to take these out because I had them up so loud to drown out the moaning that was oh. going on. And everyone in the waiting room were just laughing. My and I goodness. understand that different – I have a pretty high threshold for pain. Yeah. Um, but – you paid for this. Like, this is, you came here for this tattoo. You know? Right. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you don't really know what you're getting into, or if you have a fear of needles. Yeah. I don't have a tattoo. 
But it's not because of that. I just haven't been able to pick something that I would want on my body permanently. Yeah. I'm not judgmental of Mm -hmm. other people who want to get them. In fact, there's part of me that for sure does. Yeah. In high school, I really wanted a tattoo on my foot. This is how cheesy 90s (laughs) that said his banner over me is love. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Like the song, like his banner of me, his banner of you. Is that how it goes? Is love, love, love. Yep. Yeah. There it is. See, Woo. I don't have a tattoo. And again, it's not... I I love people's tattoos. I think they're so interesting. Um, but it's a for With my job, people donate money, you know, for me to be able to continue working. Yeah. And I have a hard time justifying, like, a donation that, like, a little grandma made for me. And like, oh, I got a tattoo with that money. Okay, mm. but here's the thing. You <laughs> cannot think that way because what you do, you get paid for. And you can do whatever you want with the money. I know, but there's a... I don't know. It's a, it's a fine line. And, I get it. And I understand people... I mean, I have coworkers who have tattoos. And I don't care. But for yeah. me, it's just kind of, ooh, this is a... It would be hard. Yeah. Okay. So somebody... I talk about Twitter every time. But somebody just tweeted, like a pastor tweeted yesterday, that he and his wife went out for a nice steak dinner for valentine's day Mm -hmm. and he posted about it on facebook and the next day somebody literally was questioning whether he gets paid too much i think that's the most asinine ridiculous thing i have ever heard i've gone with my family on vacation and i've gotten messages like oh i thought you were a missionary missionary and you were supposed to be doing god's work why are you in disneyland and it's like I don't get to have a break. Like that's the most ridiculous like, thing I've ever. It's so hard. Heard. Um, but anyway, going back to Catherine. Oh yeah, Catherine. <laughs> Catherine. Um, <clears throat> so we go. She goes in the back, and Amanda and I go with her mm-hmm. to like watch. And this lady was super nice, like mm-hmm. really professional, but just had all the stories and was just really great. And Catherine sat there, and they pierced her nose. She didn't even make a sound. She didn't pass out. She was great, and she was like, oh, that was it. Nice. So, Catherine was a champ. I'm so proud. Yeah. Sad that I missed it, but I was being responsible. I had to do our... You were responsible. Community group. (laughs) You had to work. Teaching. I know. (laughs) I have not had a day off where I haven't worked in... Today was kind of a day Weeks. Yeah, I still responded to some emails and text Mm -hmm. messages. It's sort of hard not to... Yeah, I bought snack for the week. I went shopping and oh my gosh, was like okay, work mode. Okay, while I'm here, just gonna grab everything. Yeah. So, but I really do need to be better. We've talked about Sabbath before. I definitely need to be better, but sometimes it's hard because if I don't do it now, then I have to try to fit it into the rest of the yeah. week. And so, uh, but but that's the thing. Like, I work really hard. You work really hard. Yeah. People work really hard. Pastors work hard. They're allowed to go out and have a nice meal. They're allowed to buy a new car. Um, Liz and I are still getting um text mess. We're getting text messages. Group message. Group messages. Yeah, we're laughing about odd places where there are pokey gyms. Why urgent care doesn't have a pokey gym? <laughs> I want to know. I thought it said it does have a pokey gym. No, it doesn't. Why doesn't it have a place? Oh, someone's very upset that their urgent care doesn't have a pokey gym. That's sad. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So, anyway, things have been a little busy. Yeah. It's so funny. Um, so it's middle of February. Yeah. So January felt like the longest year of my life. It was the longest year. Let's be real honest. Um, and then February has flown by. Yeah. We're over halfway through. But it's crazy because we're already planning summer with my job. Right. 
it's crazy to like start really just you know plotting some stuff out but same we're already doing that well even you know I started thinking about Easter when you work at a church yeah I started thinking about Easter in October yeah um just because you have to give yourself a decent amount especially because Christmas takes up all of your time yeah and so it's like all right now Where, like Christmas takes up all your time and then you're covering all of January yeah, January you, you have to catch really up start planning stuff ahead of time yeah it's it's crazy. So it's yeah. like when people say, oh, Christmas, you know, is a great, you know, holiday or whatever. Really, we've been planning Christmas since July. July. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We start doing, we, our church does like a big Christmas concert. Yeah. And we just do a lot of things. And yeah. Then we I do, do something called we, Best Summer Ever. Yeah. Last year was our first year doing Super it. And fun. so we just do a bunch of different events to kind of keep people connected and keep the energy up because if you are in ministry or you know anything about churches, uh, people go on vacation. Um, it's hard to kind of get people to um, stay engaged. And then if there are families that don't do vacations, because not everyone gets not everyone weeks gets and summer. weeks yeah. of vacation, unless you're teachers and you can go away, um, or families who maybe might not have the money, mm-hmm. like we wanted to create things for families to do. And so we did a bunch of things. And so now this year I'm, I'm in my planning mode for this best summer ever but I don't know if I can call it best summer ever if last year was so even better summer ever I don't <laughs> know coming up with a new I mean you have to plan you have to play the long game with names like this so I just think in 10 years even greater bestest summer ever I don't know it's like the bigger better challenge or whatever oh bigger better have. scavenger hunts yeah do you remember those you start with a pencil like this one yeah and you go around and try to trade it for something what's bigger the best better. thing you ever got um i got a twin mattress that's disgusting <laughs> i know but i was in high school but it was big so one yeah because it was bigger so if you don't we know what the a bigger f- better scavenger hunt is you get something like a pencil or a paper clip and you go to someone's house and you say i'm doing a scavenger hunt can you give me something bigger and better than this paper clip? And then they give you something and And blah, you go blah, blah. on, you have a certain amount of time or how many times you can trade it. Right. Um, and then the group that has the biggest, best thing yeah. wins. Um, we also got, this was actually pretty cool, a five DVD, five, five disc DVD changer back in, like, in like early 2000s. That's like when they were a, still cool. Right, when people had Had DVDs? DVDs. <laughs> you right. have DVDs. I do, because my internet's Basket's not super... Full. My internet's not very good, and so streaming stuff, it's the worst, so. Yeah. My best and the bigger, better scavenger hunt was a Volkswagen bug. You got a we, car? Yeah, it didn't run, but we pushed it back to the church. <laughs> you pushed a car back. We did. <laughs> it was good times. <laughs> I don't know what happened to that car, but I do remember our youth pastor saying something like, well, everything you get is property of the church. <laughs> That's rude. <laughs> I worked so hard for this. Oh, one other thing that happened since we've been gone for weeks is it was maddie's birthday oh yeah happy late birthday matthew our sponsor (laughs) yes our sponsor sponsor matthew (laughs) he um had no idea which is so funny because you couldn't have been more obvious about it okay so he we went and saw hamilton like three and a half years ago or something and he was just not into it didn't know the like the songs or anything didn't care but then in like september he goes, oh, I'd really like to go see Hamilton again. And then when our whole big group went to see Hamilton. He was so mad. A few months ago, he was so <laughs> sad that he didn't go. So I was like, all right, for his birthday, I'm definitely going to take him to see Hamilton. But I wanted it to be a little bit of a surprise. And so I basically was like, hey, for your birthday, 
why don't we just like hang out in the city? Like, why don't we go to San Francisco and we'll just hang out in the city? We haven't done that for a while. And he was like, well, maybe. And my thought process was that if at any point I couldn't get him there, I would just tell him we had tickets to Hamilton. But I really wanted to see like how long I could hold the secret. And so at first he was like, oh, I'm not sure. But I was like, oh, I'm going to wait. And so then he finally goes, yeah, that sounds fun. Well, then I get sick. Yeah, you got really sick. I know, I got a really bad, like, weird, cold thing again. Like, you almost were like, do you want to take Matt? (laughs) Because I can't go. (laughs) Yeah, I was a little nervous to be out the whole day. In fact, the last podcast that we recorded was, like, the first day that I had felt really sick. And I was kind of getting over something. Like, it's just been a whole progressive sickness for us. So then my husband, who's incredibly sweet goes, Sarah, we don't have to go to San Francisco. I know you're not feeling well. Why don't we just do it like another week? <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, it'll be fine. Like, let's just go. And here I, I wish that I could have done that. Right. But I was like, no, no, it's fine. Let's just go. And you know, we don't really have any plans. So if at any point I'm not feeling well, we just take Bart back home. Right. No big deal. But really in my head, I'm thinking, how am I going to do a whole day mm-hmm. in San Francisco? And right. so, um, because you guys went to the evening show, right? We went to the 7 o'clock yeah. show. And so we, I was like, why don't we just kind of get a late start? And so we didn't even leave home until like 11. Didn't even get to the city until like 1.30. Um, we went and had lunch at Hard Rock Cafe because that's one of Matt's favorite places. It's not which, one of my favorite it's places. It's not that great. Sorry, Hard Rock Cafe. It's not that great. And <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's really expensive. Yeah. Like, he got a burger and it was like $24. <laughs> like... Good thing it's your birthday. Go to Chili's. <laughs> Chili's should really sponsor us. Oh my gosh, they should sponsor us. Baby, baby back ribs. Isn't that Barbecue the sauce. Barbecue yeah. sauce. Um, no, I can't eat anything there right now. I had like fajitas in a bowl. And Continue your Matthew story. Sorry, I get distracted by food. So we, um, so I get him there, and then I have to get him across town. Because yeah. we're like at Pier 39. Yeah, you have to I have to downtown. get him across town. So I made reservations at the same Italian place that we had gone to, like our, when our group went. It was so good. It was super good. And I thought, what this is great. What's the name great. of that place? Panetti and something. Yeah. Something it was and so Panetti's. Good. If you, yeah, Liz is going to look it up. Pacini and Panetti? I think so. It's something like that. I think it's that. Pacini and Panetti. It's really, really good. Um, but then when we, so I got him over on that side of town and he goes, yeah, I'm not really that hungry. Puccini and Panetti. Puccini and Panetti. So he goes, I'm not really that hungry. Well, this is five o'clock <laughs> and I still have to get like two hours, like kill two hours of time. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Matt loves the mall though. I hate the mall. <laughs> hate it's the, the mall. worst place on the planet I don't really enjoy shopping that much so I'm like no this is not gonna this is not gonna fly but I'm gonna take him there with the promise of Ghirardelli ice cream <laughs> I know they have Ghirardelli ice cream it's his birthday he and so, I are the same person though you oh my gosh pretty much promise like there's a cookie in there you guys are the same go. Enneagram <laughs> I know <laughs> I it's so weird like yeah this is why when Matt works so much I just hang out with Liz it's basically like hanging out with my husband what can I say it's, I'm a catch <laughs> Yeah, you are. (laughs) So I promised him Ghirardelli's. We walk around, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, do you want anything? And I said, you know, I really want some red vines. And he was like, red vines? You're never going to find red vines in the city. Well, and it's so out of character for you. Okay, but I do like red vines. You don't... 
I don't really like on a whim though. <laughs> like no, sugar's not a thing for me usually. And so he goes, "Well, let's go find some." And I, or he said, "You're never going to find some." And I said, "I bet you ten dollars <laughs> that within the next forty five minutes, it's like six o'clock at this point, like I will have found red vines." Because I was trying to lure him around the city. I'm like, I have to walk 15 minutes with him and get him to not be like, oh, no, let's go this way. So yeah. I was like, let's go this way, blah, blah, blah. And so, of course, we're walking. And halfway to, um, oh, my gosh, what's the name of the place? The Orpheum. The Orpheum, thank you. Um, there's a CVS. I'm like, freaking seriously? Like, And I was like, so I played it off. I said, no, no, it's okay. Um, that's too easy. Let's keep walking. And we do. And we literally get right up to the Orpheum and <laughs> he has no idea and I said oh I bet they have red vines in here and he like laughed and I said let's sneak in and he's like you want to sneak in and get red vines like we're really gonna sneak in Matt. Right. like right. this is really gonna happen there's security at every door and at this point it's security been so easy to like get him there I'm like yeah. how did I just manipulate you into like going with me the whole day it's your birthday and you haven't said one thing that like you really want to do other than hard rock cafe like and do a sunday whoa dream big (laughs) so (laughs) so we get up there and i hand him the tickets and i said well why don't we just go in well he looks at the tickets and he like he's like laughing because he thought that they were the tickets from when we went and so he thought like i just had them with me still and i was joking and he looks down and he sees the date and he goes Wait, what? He was completely <laughs> shocked. The video you have, he's yeah. his face is like shocked. Like, like he doesn't no, know how like, to process what? it. What? And he's like, Are what? And he's so confused. And so we walk in and the whole time he's just absolutely shocked. He had the best time. We had the best time going, but yeah. it was so fun being able to surprise him and um yeah, he had no idea. But we didn't get home until like one thirty in the morning because our um there was a problem on BART. Oh. Yeah. The the Transbay Tunnel. And so if you don't know anything about oh, BART, there's a tunnel that goes under, under the, the bay. bay. And when we were actually taking BART into San Francisco, Matt said something about the Transbay tube because it is a little scary to think oh. about. And I, and, he, and I said, oh, well, as long as there's not an earthquake. And he was like, oh, my gosh, stop. And I said, oh, I'm sure it's retrofitted, right? Like, they wouldn't let all these people go under here all the right. time if it wasn't. And so I Google it. That was a mistake. <laughs> Why would you Google that? Listeners, do not Google that stuff. <laughs> it was like, oh, it, it's been predicted that in the event of a big earthquake, um, there will be flooding in the Transbay tube. Um, oh my gosh, I never want to ride on BART again. I know, but, retro, but the retrofitting will be completed by 2023. And I was like, great. So then, yeah, there's a maintenance issue and we're stuck like... Are you in the tunnel? Nearly. Like, we were, like, on the descent into the tunnel when the problem happened. And I was like, are you serious right now? And Matt had just downloaded an app that tells us all of the world's earthquakes. Oh, no. And there have been a lot lately. There have been a ton of earthquakes. So then we're just like, this is the worst thing ever. Why do you guys Google that? Why do you have that app? Why do we Google symptoms when we're sick, too? It's like, I have a headache. Could just be a headache. Or you could die in two days. Like... It's true. Could be an aneurysm, could be cancer. Terrifying. Google is not really your friend. That's true. It makes me feel like sometimes <laughs> it is my friend. So you surprised Matt for his birthday. I did. That's fun. It was really fun. It was fun having you text me. Like, he has no idea. He has no idea. <laughs> he literally had no, he had no clue. It's so funny. Liz and I are going to be doing some traveling together soon. We are. I am excited. You are terrified. <laughs> but we are we're going to Chicago. So yeah. our um, denomination, 
once a year. So they have this program called Blue Ocean, um, which maybe we could talk about. Yeah. We should have Kent on here and have him talk about it. We should. Kent, you are voluntold to come on this podcast. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I went through the, the, I don't know what you call it, class or course or yeah. um, last year. It's like a missional. It's like a cohort. Whoa. Okay. It's a fancy word. Is it? Yeah. That's not I don't fancy. know. Training. Um, like education. a training thing. Yeah. Um, Last year, I went through it with... Um, Can you explain husband. what the Blue Ocean is? Sure. Um, so Blue Ocean is this concept that is actually in business. Yeah. Where... And I'm going to use church as the example because that's what I am most familiar with. So you take... So there's, so you have the ocean, say that makes up 100% of the world. Right. Um, that would if, be bad. That's like water world. <laughs> and, uh, and if you look at it in a circle, you take a little slice of it. Um, and the... I'm trying to explain this, like, without, yeah, so without like, a diagram. It's like fishing, like fishing in an ocean, right? So right. it's like... So, so like in a church, so the it, the ocean is like the world. There's a portion of it between 20 and 30% that the churches are fighting over. And the, in this 20 or 30% are people who have been to church um, but have left. Either they went to college and just left, but they're going to come back. People who left and now have families and want to be raised. They want their kids to be raised in the church. Yeah, they come um, back. And so the churches fight over this 20 or 30% because they are the easy target. They are right. the ones that, you know, they understand our language. They understand our culture. We're not starting at, you know, a blank right. blank slate with them. Meanwhile, there's the rest of the world, the other 70 to 80%, that is the blue ocean. Yeah. Where nobody is even reaching them. No one is even talking to them. Right. We're not, we're not even engaged in a dialogue with the rest of the world. So the question is, how do we, as people, um, who, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, even start conversations with people in that right. blue ocean who, who, you know, have left the church because they've been hurt by the church. Yeah. Who have no understanding of the gospel who have yeah. you know from different religions from different um different parts of the world how do we right. even just start a dialogue with these people and to put this in like podcast friendly terms so say you sell magic gypsy oil at church and there are 20 <laughs> other people that sell it and you only sell to the same people but there's a church across town and at that church they don't have anyone selling their magic gypsy oils why aren't we selling them there we're overfishing in one place right <laughs> so that little, so that little sliver of the twenty to thirty percent is called the red ocean because in a in the real ocean that yeah. would be like where the sharks are so it's bloody because all the sharks are fighting over the food right. in this one spot. But meanwhile, right. there's a whole ocean out there that no one is even pursuing. Right, um, and we could name those different even like social categories or yeah. or people like I think of um, homosexuals as mm-hmm. one. Like you know, it's one thing to talk about like people in Africa and to send missionaries there, but we refuse to engage with. The homosexual community in a lot of ways right because you know they might think that we um condone their lifestyle you know like all right. of these weird well, excuses you, you can talk about you know yeah the lgbtq yeah plus you can talk about immigrate immigration here like yeah. that also fits in that you know how do we even start you know conversations with people um who are here illegally um even different denominations different yeah. different faiths different religions how do we and really it just comes down to how do we start a conversation right. how do we as people who are trained to always have the answers, sit and listen right. and learn. Because um, we don't have all the answers Yeah, um, to everything. It's part of our spiritual formation. As Amanda held, said today on Twitter, she said that listening to the stories of like, um, like damaging patriarchy and racism, if you haven't experienced it, is part of your like spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. So this idea of listening to people's stories yeah. and actually instead of just like applying what you believe... 
onto people and projecting that onto them, like actually listening. And so, so blue ocean is something that Liz has already done. I'm going to do the next, like next year. And so I I think I go to Canada in October. Yeah. That's my first, but this trip to Chicago is part of blue ocean. I'm just tagging along. You're tagging along. (laughs) Um, And so at the end of blue ocean, they do something called bonfire, which is really just people who have gone through blue ocean years before, or even just people who, um, want to grow and, and learn something um, with other faith leaders and denominations, um, we get together in Chicago once a year. And so I was there last year, and it was really, really great. We um, The speaker was Brian Sanders, mm. and he does a lot of um, work down in Florida with the underground church. Um, anyway, we're going there, and it's very exciting. And I... Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. So I was telling... But Sarah does not travel well. <laughs> I like to travel. I just hate to fly. Not, that's like an understatement. Okay, you don't so, hate to fly. You, I don't even know what. The so next I was telling our friend David <laughs> that um, that I was going to Chicago with you. Yeah. And now David and I flew to a conference in LA, which is an hour and a half flight. <laughs> no, it's not an hour and a half. It's like an hour and like eight minutes or something. <laughs> um, and I just get so panicky on the plane. I hate takeoff. It's the worst possible thing for me. And so he goes. Does Liz know what it's like to fly with you? And I said, <laughs> she's going to. <laughs> and so every part of flying, like um, booking the tickets, driving to the airport, even if I'm not getting on a plane, I just get such bad anxiety. It's the weirdest thing. So it's okay. I'm going to get really good drugs. I couldn't take anything <laughs> on my last flight because our conference started like the same day. Oh, yeah. And so my medication that I take for anxiety is called Ativan. And it lasts for like five or six hours. And so there was no way. Yeah. But then I could have taken it on the flight back, but I did not. So that was dumb. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to take <laughs> drugs. So hopefully Liz won't have to deal with me. Well, and see, I'm a really good flyer. Yeah. Liz I, is like, oh, I fall asleep on the runway. And I'm like, so oh, I have really you should bad, shut up. <laughs> I have pretty bad anxiety, but I can, when I get on an airplane for some reason, I can fall asleep. There's one time when I was living in Mexico, I was flying up here from San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, San Diego to Sacramento is about an hour and a half. Like, yeah. That's where I came from. And I sat in my seat, put my seatbelt on, and fell asleep before takeoff. And the next thing I knew, they were waking me up because I was the last person on the plane. I was just out. Weren't you in the middle seat? Yes. <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. I don't either, but it happened. If I and could just sleep through the flight, I would be so happy. It's a long flight, though. Because we're going to go nonstop. We're trying to get nonstop. I know it's just a little over four hours. I get antsy though. That's the only thing though, is I get antsy. Yeah. But if I'm asleep, then it's not. We've so spent bad. four hours at Chili's though. So That's I feel like true. we could do this. How many times did I go to the bathroom in Chili's though? In the toilet. <laughs> she doesn't just sit there and like pee. You're right. It's not good. All right. So, one thing that we wanted to talk about. And, okay. So, have we talked about our young leaders gathering? I don't know that we have. Okay. So, I. Maybe we've referenced it. Right. So, I used to be a Nazarene. And in the Nazarene church, there's... I think you're still a Nazarene at heart. I'm I'm an egalitarian. So it's really... Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm for sure a Nazarene at heart. It's okay. Um, is it okay, Liz? Yeah. You like the Nazarene stuff, do. too. Don't act like... I do. I like Nazarene. There are things about Nazarenes that are really cool. Um, but when I was part of the Nazarene church, there's they have a young clergy network. 
And it's really great. It's all these younger people who are in different leadership roles in the church and they have conferences and at their like general assemblies, they meet and they talk about like things like, you know, the future of ministry, the things that they struggle with as young leaders. Um, and when I left the Nazarene church and started working at my Baptist church, I super missed it. You know, I missed this community of young people. I missed talking about the tensions that, um, only we talk about, and we talked about, um, a few podcasts ago, like being a millennial in the church and, um, how difficult that can be sometimes, even just in Gen Z is coming up and people don't really know what to do with us or whatever. It's almost like we're written off because there's nothing we can do to reach you. So we're going to try with the Gen Zs instead, you know? Yeah. And even then, even then it's still a struggle. They don't do a great job. Right. Always. Um, so I decided I wanted to start a young leaders group in the, our NorCal, um, like part of the denomination. Yeah. And so I asked like our, our, do you call him a district minister? Regional. A regional minister. And then the VP of spiritual formation, um, like, like our regional minister talked to him and was like, Hey, Sarah wants to do this thing. Now they don't really know me. Yeah. They're getting to know me now. Um, but didn't really know me. And so I kind of expected a little like, uh, pushback. And to be honest, not all of my conversations with like older church leaders, go well when I suggest that, you know, we should do other things, like, like we should do more here or more here. I think that there's a bit of, I don't know what it is. I think, I think it's hard. I, I think it's hard to engage younger people because sometimes you feel like younger people just want to come in and change everything. Like we all know better than you and whatever. And I don't believe that. I think that, you know, our older leaders were called just as mm-hmm. much as we are, and so I super respect it. Um, but they were actually super receptive to yeah. us doing this, and so I remember you had texted me about you know the two of them, like what should I expect? And I said, uh-huh. oh my gosh, you will, it's gonna be fine. Like don't be nervous. Yeah, they're gonna really want to just even if um, nothing happens, like they'll be really excited to hear from you. Yeah, if anything. So which made me feel good. And part of the reason um, this even came up is we went to this um, celebration. Yeah. Thing. And there were only a few women and there were hardly any young people. Right. And this is for our, like, our, our local, like, our regional denomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our and Nor- it was just. NorCal division. Yeah. And so it was like, <laughs> Liz is on the executive board, <laughs> yeah. so she actually Sorry. knows the words and I don't know the terminology. <laughs> I was still learning the Nazarene terminology when I was there. And so, um, you know, I, I felt really, really like, like, we need to do something. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what to expect. They were super receptive. Um, we had our first meeting, uh, January, beginning of January. Yeah. Um, and it went so well. And mm-hmm. so we invited just a small core group of, um, young leaders in the NAB. And I'm even on the older side of, you know, that group of young leaders, yeah. but I feel like you got to kind of start. Yeah. I'm kind of in the middle. Yeah. Um, the youngest person we had there, I think he was, was he 18 or 19? Yeah. Maybe 20. Was he 20? I think he's 20. Okay. But I'm, I'm not totally sure. And so it was really cool um, to have this group. But we talked about, like, the different things that are difficult. And one of the things that we talked about um, that that I really have been thinking a lot about. Well, and it's been brought up in different circles that I'm in, even. Same, yeah. Um, without me really prompting it, it's been, it's been brought up. So I think that's really interesting. I have for sure prompted conversations. <laughs> so um, one of the people in our group mentioned, and this is something that, like, we've talked about before too yeah yeah. is that you can get good content 
anywhere. Right. Right? So like really good content. So in the palm of my hand right now is my iPhone. And I have the potential to get sermons from literally every best preacher mm-hmm. and speaker on any topic that I'd ever want to learn about. Right. Um, at the same time, our churches are very content heavy. Mm-hmm. And so when you go into a Sunday service, um, Liz was describing a Sunday service earlier. You describe, describe so, a Sunday service. So a typical Sunday service... Um, and this isn't just at my church. No, this, this is, is how this, this is, is universally, universal, especially Baptist churches. Right. It's usually one song announcements, two songs and offering a sermon. That's like 35, 40 minutes. And then a closing song. Right. Once a month there's communion. Yep. And sometimes there's baptisms, but that's maybe once a quarter, maybe twice a year. Yeah. Um, and we were just talking about, you know, if content is so easy to come by, online or or even even in books and podcasts and stuff um then how then our church structure and our church um like formatting needs to change because um being so content heavy i can get good content anywhere right what can't i get what can't i get uh what can't i get from being online what can't i get outside of the church that only the church can provide right now you could say community Right. But that's not true. So, right. like, we've talked about before. Like, you have your community. Yeah. Um, like, at the gym. Mm-hmm. You have, like, we have a group that meet. Like, there are four of us. And we <laughs> Our quarterly girls. Our quarterly. <laughs> we have a quarterly girls night. That's really, like, eight times a year. <laughs> yeah. But we just say quarterly because it sounds fun. Yeah. Um, but, like, I have community within that group where I can be really honest. And, yeah. um, and my friends are Christians. And so it can't just be community. It has to be, like, the fellowship Mm-hmm. of believers and so like corporate worship um is a big one right now i can also get all of the songs on a playlist but i definitely like there's something for me about worshiping all together yeah um that's really beautiful but how do we engage in like spiritual talk and like how do we pray for one another and how do we do all of these things i think we... that that's a, a big one it's yeah. like i mean i can put prayer requests out on facebook or whatever and i think people pray for me but yeah Having people in the moment really praying for me is probably one of the most powerful things that the church can provide. Right. That we can't... That you can't... Just manufacture outside of the church. Yeah. Um, It also... This sounds terrible, but a 45-minute sermon on a Sunday is sometimes the reason why people don't come to church. It it just feels like a lot. If people are new, Mm -hmm. um, it just feels like a lot, especially because sermons tend to be above a baby Christian's spiritual knowledge. Not every church. There are, like, seeker-friendly churches that specifically. But the problem with seeker-friendly churches is that they eventually lose people who want to go much deeper. And seeker-friendly, just to define that, would be just, like, a church that is really welcoming for people who have questions. Yeah. Who aren't so sure about... Don't have the insider language. Yeah, who maybe... um, who are just, you know, interested in, in learning, interested in learning about church. Right. Who aren't really looking to commit to anything quite yet. Yeah. But they're, they have their questions and they, they are just kind of wanting the basic information. Right. So that they can make an informed decision. And here's the thing. This is no criticism of seeker-friendly churches. Right. Um, I actually I think used, we need them. I used to work um, at a church that did like a, like it was called Gen X. Like their, um, their younger people worship. Um, like for, mm-hmm. for college age kids, it was in Stockton. And so we had UOP and Delta college. Yeah. And so it was literally right down the street from UOP and it was great for what it was. 
Um, but the messages were really topical. And again, that's great yeah. for new Christians, but sometimes it can be hard. And so sitting through 35, 40 minutes of something that is above your head and you don't understand is really difficult. Yeah. And again, we can get good content somewhere else. Like I, I don't really go to church for the sermons. Now, we have really talented pastors on our staff who um, give really great messages. A lot of times on Sundays, because I work at the church, I miss service and I'll often go back and listen to the sermons. We have a podcast um, of all of our sermons and so I'll go back and listen, but that's not the real reason why I go to church. Like Mm -hmm. I go for the fellowship of believers. I go to encourage one another and um, I say it all the time. I grew up in youth group. My parents weren't Christians, so I learned everything I knew about Christianity, like from a really good committed youth pastor who now happens to be the senior pastor of the church that I work with or work at. Um, but I don't really remember any specific sermons. I do remember one talk about like, this is funny, but you guys probably did this at your church. Like our pastor's wife like made brownies, and as we're eating them, Glenn, our youth pastor at the time goes now what if i told you there was just a little bit of dog poop in the brownies do you remember this lesson kind of yeah um and it was this idea that like we listen to like music or we watch tv but it's just a little bad or it's just a little bit and how like but if you said there was a little bit of dog poop in the brownies like it was it was a big like lesson in the 90s um and so like i remember stuff like that i don't really remember um like a lot of specific sermons what i remember were my youth leaders like Mm -hmm talking to me and caring for me and praying for me and um, I even remember my youth pastor you know calling him and he and I going he'd always say let's go for a coke you know and yeah he would go to like Foster's or someplace Foster Friesen here in town um and he would just sit and listen and you know yeah just that that mentorship from from him was really cool yeah and probably a huge part of like mm-hmm. more... uh, again I don't remember a lot of what we talked about but just Remembering that he was a support to me. He was there to yeah. encourage me. He took you know? the time. He took the time. To you know, when you're in you. high school and have an, and an adult is willing to spend an hour with you. Yeah. With, and they don't have to. Right. But they sort of do because it's... there's a, there's but they don't have to. There's know? a Twitter account called Youth Group Boy. And it's my favorite. And one of the tweets said something like... Um, like, you know when you go out with your youth pastor and he saves the receipt that this is on the church's tab. <laughs> and I'm like, that's True. accurate. But, you know, it, yeah, there was just something, like, especially the volunteers mm-hmm. um, who really poured into my life. And yeah. and how even as an older, I don't know if I can call myself a mature Christian, but a mature, <laughs> a more mature Christian, um, I still need that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, how often do I walk into church and I work at the church and so I'm busy all day and I leave and I've hardly like, I mean, I haven't had a real conversation um, with anyone about anything real life. I haven't even had time to like pray for someone. And I will say there's something so powerful about being prayed for on the spot. Yeah. Someone, um, I just said that. Yeah. Someone had gotten (laughs) into a car accident and they, they were like, yeah, if you could just pray for me. And I prayed for them right there. And he was like, Oh, like, (laughs) thank you so much. Because sometimes people say, Oh, I'll pray for you. But it's just one of the jokes is like, yeah, if um, if a Christian says, oh, I'll pray for you, it's kind of their way of like dismissing, brushing you off. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry that happened. I'll be praying now. A lot of times when I say that, I really do remember to pray. I try to like put it in my phone or do something. But legitimately, like just stopping and praying for people right then. Mm -hmm. Well, even going back to like youth group stuff, one of my 
um, youth groups sponsors or that one of the adults that volunteered there, she now tutors with me in the right. programs that I run. So that's really kind of cool. You just actually two of them do. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of cool to see, um, for the, for those volunteers and even other volunteers that ministry didn't just stop because they stopped yeah. volunteering at church, but that ministry has been just a part of their lives. I mean, that's right. watching that and being mentored in that way, um, is something that to me, the church gives me, you know. Well, and, and two, having these, like, long-term relationships yeah. with people. And so I had a meeting with um, a lady named Shelby Young who runs a local um, nonprofit. And she was, like, my counselor at Hume Lake. Mm-hmm. Was my, but, but the fact that she's, like, known me yeah. since I was a kid. And I had a lot of, like, family things and just struggled with a lot of stuff. And so, like, she's sort of seen me through it. You know, like we haven't always been super close or anything, but like having somebody who knows you now that knew you then, and they've like seen the ways that you've grown and they're able to like point that out in you, like, yeah, like that's such a big deal. And so, um, like one thing we would always say in youth ministry too, is that like, yeah, like giving the talk is great and whatever, but you know, when I had the best conversations with kids, it's in the car. Yeah. You know, we would go to on a trip. One of my favorite memories. Even just driving them home. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite memories was um, the first time I met three of my youth group girls when I was working at um, the Nazarene Church. We were going up to a cabin. Um, They had never met me before. And they had had, like, four youth pastors before me who, like, would do it for a few months and leave. And so they were super skeptical about me. Um, Just real standoffish. And and I sort of understood it because you don't want to get close to someone Mm -hmm. who's just going to leave. Right. Totally get it. But um, we're in the car, and I was like, okay, the silence is killing me. So I just turned on Nicki Minaj because I like Nicki Minaj. Yeah. I listen to a lot of rap music, and I was just listening to... A little bit of poop in that brownie. There's a little poop in my brownie, <laughs> for sure. I can't have brownies anyway because they're not keto-friendly. So um, so I turn on Nicki Minaj, and I just start singing to it because I'm like, who cares what they think, right? And literally one of the girls goes, you know this song? And I was like, yeah, dude, I'm a human. Like... <laughs> And that was, like, the thing that broke the ice. Like, that one thing. Yeah. And so, again, like, I can tell them all the things that they can hear, that they could read in a book. But what couldn't I give them? I couldn't give them the security mm-hmm. of knowing that I wasn't going to leave right away. That's I gave even, them something to relate to. Yeah. That's even in my job here with what I do living in the neighborhood. You mm-hmm. know, these kids have had so many experiences of people from the west side of town coming and doing a program and leaving. And right. I've never seen them again. Where... You know, I've worked here for six, lived here for six years. Yeah. Doing this work for almost seven years. Yeah. And there's, it's different. You know, they trust me. But that's something that You're also their neighbor. Right. I live in the same complex. You're hearing kids. Yeah, you can always hear kids when you're here. Um, (laughs) It's really cool. Everyone knows Liz. Yeah. And it's been even cool for me because, like, when I come out to, mm -hmm. like, your program site, the kids are starting to get to know me. I come out and take like pictures sometimes or like. She brought donuts the other day. I didn't bring them because I was so busy. Oh, you bought them. <laughs> I send them out a little Krispy Kreme um, yeah. heart donuts or like I did slime. Oh, they love Last the year. Isn't that what I did last year uh-huh. for Valentine's Day? Was it Valentine's Day? It might have been. I don't, I don't remember. remember. But yeah, they remember the slime though. But like I haven't even been here that much, but I'm also closely associated with you. And mm-hmm. so it's like this. Yeah. Like they get so excited. And they see you when you pull up or whatever, if we're going to record here. Yeah. You know. So then it makes you wonder, like, what does that practically look like in a service? Like, what if one service a month we did a 20-minute sermon yeah. and we spent 15 minutes doing something else? Like, what does that 
look like. Mm-hmm. And that's discussion that like has to be, you have to customize that for your own context because we all sort of have things like Baptists have a really hard time like, talking to each other. <laughs> like if you're it's just true. in a row with somebody um, and we were like pray for each other, it would feel really awkward. But I think that there are ways to like normalize yeah. those things or what if we said hey we're just gonna do worship and a little 10 minute message and then we want we're, we have all of these things like places that you can go serve today yeah. and we want you to spend an hour you know we did that at my church and it was one of the best things we did last year really we did um for our missions sunday mm-hmm. we had so our church usually has two services yeah and at our during the first service hour we had a regular sermon yeah but during the second hour we set up like 12 different booths, 12, between 12 and 15 mm-hmm. different places where people could choose to go and serve in that area. So, That's so cool. it was like boxing up soups that was, yeah. gonna, that, um, YWAM was going to take all over the world. It was making dresses out of pillowcases. It was, um, you know, raking, some, raking something, helping Shelby at her, mm-hmm. at her place. We did a prayer walk. And so it was just an opportunity to do something together. Right. Because we don't always have, and not just not that these are bad, yeah. Um, you know, like your best summer, everything, but it's not something like that. Whereas no. this right. is people working together for something, yeah. you know. It's, and there's so it's a bond different. there. If you've ever right. been on a mission trip, right? Um, you know that there's just you get to know people in a way that's so unique. Some people I went to Guatemala with mm-hmm. two years ago. We still get together regularly, right? So and so again, how do we create that mm-hmm. community outside of just content? And it, and this is no just a disclaimer. This is no criticism. No. Of the content. Like, I understand that our pastors work super hard during the week. Oh, yeah. Um, crafting a sermon. Um, doing the doing the work of um, making sure that the content is good and meaningful. And I get a lot out of our sermons. And so I'm always really thankful um, for the work. But I also think of it from a pastor's perspective of, you know, if you're spending all of this time working on a sermon, like, when do you get to pastor people? It smells like something's on fire in Lisa's house. Is it on fire? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We might have to take a little break while. Maybe someone's barbecuing. Liz checks to see if her house is on fire. I've been smelling smoke for maybe five minutes, so I don't know. That could I have be. Two. <laughs> I'm gonna pause this. We're back. We're back. Nothing's on fire. Someone's barbecuing. <laughs> <laughs> Liz has a window open. Yeah. And we weren't sure. So it being feb- February, yeah. it's 70 degrees outside today. So just having the windows <laughs> open has been just so nice. And Welcome to California. <laughs> yeah. As I was saying, you know, I do wonder um, about our pastors having time to actually pastor people. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you build those relationships if you have to spend a ton of time in your office studying? Yeah. Now, again, that's part of the job. Right. It's a calling. Well, that's even in my job. Um and stuff that I've been talking with my boss about is, yes, I, I enjoy running programs, but when do I get to, you know, pastor or mentor students yeah. or, you know, mentor parents or mentor volunteers? I need to make sure that that time is set aside. And, and it's hard to quantify that time. Right. You know, um, but, but I need those hours to do that. Otherwise, I'll just feel like a machine just doing programs, programs, programs. Right. And program isn't relationship. Right. It's part of relationship because you're running the programs you're around. Right. But there's a another part. Like one thing that you do I think that is really important is you do like family dinners. Yeah. And so And we love family dinners. What does the family dinner consist of? Like what does that look um, like? So it's actually something we've done across the organization that I work with. It's not just my department. Um 
but we basically invite ourselves over for dinner Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, with a student um, and their family. We bring dinner, usually. Um, Sometimes they insist on cooking Sometimes they insist on... Like, we went to a, a family... Um, that's from Pakistan here, and they cooked for us. We did bring some pizza thinking maybe they won't yeah. have enough, um, but it was the most beautiful dinner I've ever had. Um, and basically we just go to encourage, well, first of all, to meet parents. A lot of times yeah. we don't meet the parents. Yeah, um, and here you're working with their kids every day. Right. Yeah. Um, sometimes they think it's a language thing or they're intimidated, and I get all that. So we want to come in a really friendly... Well, and they're, like, like, just to be real honest... They're afraid of us. It's a bunch of white people. Yeah. And they're like major immigration. Right. Concerns. Right. Um, so even things like filling out permission slips sometimes is difficult. Right. Basically, we have to tell them, I mean, no one sees this except for us. And it's really just in case of emergency. Right. Um, so we go to their houses and really it's to meet parents, to encourage their parents, to brag on their children. Yeah. Um, and really just, you know, make sure they know that we're a resource that they, you know, if they need anything, if they need help. I filled out you know, helped to fill out paperwork for food stamps, for WIC, for um, right. school, just simply because um, parents have a hard time with that. And I'm happy to do that. Just, you know, that they know that we're here and we're here for them. Right. Um, and what a what a unique thing that you get to do that you're trusted yeah. with the stories of people. Um, oh, yeah. We hear some of, um, you know, I don't share a lot of stories of um, students and their families because there's simply not mine to share. But some of the stories are some of the most beautiful stories Right. Um, I have said this before and I'll say it again that some of these parents are also just my heroes. They're so resilient and the, the lengths that they've gone to for their kids yeah. is something that sometimes it's, I can't even fathom what that, what that would mean. Right. Um, so they're, they're pretty amazing. Well, and if you look at Jesus, he spent so much time in relationship with people. Like he, he gave some people. Well, he, he ate g- all the time. He gave some, <laughs> I bet he wasn't doing keto. Um, <laughs> He you know, he gave some sermons. Yeah. And he, he talked to people about things, but it was so part of his life. Like, mm-hmm. this was just part of his life. And so these conversations happened naturally because yeah. it was a part. So when I was in early college, I worked for Youth for Christ. Um, and when I worked there, it was, like, early 2000s. Um, and that's when, like, we were just sort of getting over the whole, like, four spiritual laws thing mm-hmm. where you could, like, hand someone a tract and it was, like... You know, here are the four spiritual laws, and they'd like accept Jesus right on the spot. Someone once, when I was in Starbucks, oh, no, don't tell me, threw a tract don't. at me, and it was a four spiritual laws one, and they were like, save yourself, and walked away. Wow. That's good. I've heard lots of stories <laughs> like, of like okay. waitresses on Sunday morning oh, no. or on Sunday afternoons getting those fake like $100 bill. Oh, no. Ones as a tip. That's terrible. No, don't, don't do, do that. that. No one should do that. No, that's the worst. They're like, oh, the Christians are the worst. <laughs> We do not want that to be the thing. But we were, like, recovering from this idea that, like, the other thing that we were taught um, is that this person on the bus, this might be their only chance at having salvation. And it rests on your shoulders, right? Right. And if you don't lead them to to the Lord, then they're going to burn in hell forever. Honestly, I heard that. And so um, at Youth for Christ, their whole thing was, like, no. You know, we believe in, like, like, one of their things was, like, gentle tugs. And so when fruit is ripe... Mm-hmm. You're not, like, having to force it off the vine. Like, it just falls into your hand. Yeah. Um, but the thing that, that really um, shaped a lot of, like, my relational evangelism was this idea of the th- of three-story evangelism. And it's, it was my story and God's story are connected. Um, so anybody else I connect to are going to be connected to God's story yeah. just through our relationship. Mm-hmm. Because 
Jesus is a huge part of my life. My faith is a huge part of my life. Prayer is a part of my life. And so um, any conversation I have, it's sort of rub belly to say, like, everywhere you stand is holy ground. Well, it's also very David Fitch. Yeah. And <laughs> the idea that um, as Christians, we believe that the Holy Spirit is well alive and well inside yeah, of us. So right. anywhere we go, we bring the Holy Spirit with us. Right. And so, um, you know, I talked about this in my newsletter for this month. Um the after school program that we run in the park is currently in my apartment. There's just been some unstable stuff happening in the park. So for the few weeks we're here and we have a student who um, is in fifth grade, his home life is awful. He gets, you know, bounced from house to house to house. Parents aren't really in the picture. Um, it's really complicated. And he fell asleep here. Aww. I mean, there were probably 20 people in my apartment. It was loud. And 20 um, people, if you're in this apartment, it's loud. It's little. So, <laughs> um, and he was in a beanbag chair. One of the yeah, really the Grace fat Barnes ones. got you. Grace Barnes. Shout out to Grace Barnes. Um, and he fell asleep. And it's and I was thinking about this. And one of the fruits of the spirit is peace. Yeah. And so, and I've had kids say this too that when they walk in here, there's just this that it's just so peaceful. It's just so quiet, and they yeah. can think. Um, and so believing that the Holy Spirit is alive within me means that I believe that I bring love and joy and peace and patience right. and all those things with me right. wherever I go. Yeah. And this idea that a kid who's been tossed around, like, yeah. feels safe enough. In a room of 20 people. To rest. <laughs> to fall asleep. Yeah. You know. Which is such a testament. And so, like, how do we create those? Like, do we have to keep throwing a ton of content at people? Or can we do other things? Yeah. Um, to help connect people, not just, I mean, because I think of like, even the spiritual maturity between people at church, like we all have different experiences. We all have different backgrounds. And so like my friend, Nicole, who's awesome and so well-versed on the Bible, um, her background is Catholic. Um, my husband's background was Catholic. Um, he, yeah, his dad was Catholic. He was baptized Catholic. Um, you know, she brings an element of faith to my life that I don't necessarily get from other people that have a different experience. Yeah. And so, you know, having that relational component to really talk about um, matters of the faith and even, I mean, our conversations, like Liz and I are a perfect example. Like our conversations just go there. Yeah. Because it's a part of our lives. Like it's not like we're sitting there saying, no, we have to talk about this for 20 minutes. Like, right. like we have these really in-depth faithful spiritual conversations because God's just such a part of our life. Like right, our life such a part of my life. Sometimes that's more church than what I get on a Sunday. And again, that's not anything against our pastors. A lot of times I can't even like be in church right now. Um, yeah. But it, it's really just a testament to this idea that sometimes I think we focus um, on things that just aren't as um, meaningful. And so again, like the content isn't bad. It's good to be well-versed about scripture. Um, yeah. But even just like... How do we, what do we make that look like? How do we make space for that in our normal Sunday services? And so um, that's been something that we've talked about a lot. And especially like this is something that younger people Mm -hmm. in particular um, deal with. Because again, we've had these resources for such a long time. Yeah. And so how do you convince someone their need for the church? Like, how do you convince them? Because they're like, oh, well, nature's my church, which you know, to some degree, I think that's okay. Like I took a Sunday off in September. I went up to a friend's, um, parents cabin 
like literally right on a lake in the mountains. It was beautiful. And that Sunday morning, I spent like hiking around. I hiked down a ravine, which my husband then pointed out. He's like, you know that like you only hear the word ravine when they're like pulling a body out. <laughs> Is that wrong? He says the greatest things to you. It's, yeah, I was like, we should Google it. <laughs> so, um, but but I had that moment. Like I sat in nature and read my Bible and yeah, prayed, and I was really going through like some stuff in September. Um, and so it, it really did feel good, but it wasn't my church. You yeah. know, it was, it was one week. I think that it's important to faithfully have that community mm-hmm. and that fellowship with other um, believers weekly. But again, like making space for something other than just content. Yep. I and think it's kind of what the next generations are looking for. Yeah. They want more than this. I mean, um, I just wrote an article for the NAB, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I talk about is how, like, we're the loneliest, loneliest generation, and here we have, like, our phones, right? We have yeah. um, the ability to connect with people just at the tip of our fingers all the time, and we are still super lonely, and so obviously that's not enough. Mm-hmm. And so if we can cultivate our spaces in a way that um, that makes a lot of room, Mm-hmm. for more community and connection I think it's really important so. yep. and if you guys have any thoughts we would yeah. love to hear you can text me text Sarah <laughs> or email us you can email us at in the kitchen podcast at gmail.com yep or you can text me or you can text Sarah I should give, I should give your number <laughs> don't do it you can always text me I've given out my number several times here so if yeah. you don't have it well you must not have been listening <laughs> and as always Good to have these conversations. Talk about all the things. Yeah. What do you have going on tonight? Nothing. Hmm. Yeah. I'm supposed to go over to my brother's house to give my niece a bath because everyone is sick over there and I have somehow avoided it. I was there. Did you get sick? No, I think I got everyone sick, actually. (laughs) It's your fault. I actually think that I was the... You're the reason Nessie's so sick. I'm so sorry. Blame her, Michelle. I know. It is is my fault. (laughs) Um, yeah, but it's President's Day. It's Monday. Did you know that? <laughs> I just found that out. And part of being in ministry is I work a lot. So I decided I wasn't going to do much work today. But this is not work. This feels good. Yeah, this About is fun. We, record. we have a guest on our next podcast. Jonathan Hicks will be back. Johnny is coming back. Okay, so I'll send you really quick because we're over an hour now. And oh, man. Y'all are probably tired of hearing us. He... Sends me a text and says, I said, what do you want to talk about? He said, let's talk about how we could always be better. Or let's talk about creating spaces, image bearers, or the tug between preparation and ministry. Ooh. Um, or integrating people into a church family. And, um, and in that fulfilling pure, undefiled religion, that doesn't whittle them down much. <laughs> what about a portion of the conversation where we're assigned a perspective to speak from? I'm thinking of the tension ones. We'll probably talk about something dumb like hot dogs. <laughs> <No>. But... <laughs> I don't know, but well, actually, we have guests for the next two podcasts. Oh, who's so going we have to that? Johnny, and then Maddie's coming <gasps> the next week. Right, and okay. we already know what we're talking about with her. She may not know what we're talking about, but we know what we're talking about with her. Okay, do you remember? I don't remember. We're gonna talk about tattoos on the heart. <gasps> That's right. Oh, it's such so, a good book. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, so all right. Well, it's good to have this chat. See you later. Bye.